0: KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One On One.
1: At the end of the year, we sat down and we were like 500. We've never been 500 in our lives. This is terrible in a sense. However, it it wasn't about that. And you you have to start somewhere. And it was so funny because our players were excited. They're 500. They got wins. And just to see the differences, it was just time.
0: And our guest this week, St. Joseph's University head field hockey coach Lynn Farquhar, who has turned the Hawks into a force in the region. And uh, first of all, coach, thanks so much for the time.
1: Of course. Honored to be here.
0: So let's talk a little bit about the the last year's been crazy and weird for everyone. What's it been like for you?
1: (laughs) That's a great question. I feel a little bit like I'm in the movies in this time warp. So I have to pull up my calendar to actually look at that. What day is it? What month are we in? And what have I done for the past year? Uh, So I will say that I'm so fortunate. My family and then also our student athletes, our, our team here in Hawk Hill has been so positive and ready just to take one day at a time and one step at a time. So they're, they're a lot of fun to be around and they've they've kept us going and have been really, really even inspirational for me to say, what can we do? What can we control? And let's stick with that.
0: So looking, researching your story, I was fascinated to learn and please correct me if I'm wrong, that you actually came to field hockey quite late. That you were a soccer kid growing up.
1: That is very true. Late bloomer.
0: And so senior year high school late is when you you first. Not that late. So
1: so I started, I was really big with soccer. I really big with all sports, actually. Fortunate my family let me try pretty much everything. There's a couple still on the bucket list, like ice hockey. One day I'm gonna I can't really skate, but I'm gonna get on the ice and I'm gonna try. However, I got to uh, fiddle with everything. Soccer was, loved it, started young. Dad coached me, you know, back in the, the mini soccer or days. And then in high school, I wanted to play a sport in the fall. I grew up in Northern Virginia and soccer was a spring sport for us. So the fall sports, the options were cross country or field hockey and cross country I don't mind running after balls, but for some reason, just running to run. I wasn't quite sure that was fun. And they wore little bloomers when they ran like little underwear. So you had to run really far and wear these little underwear or it was field hockey and field hockey. You had to wear a skirt. And back then I didn't wear pink and I didn't wear skirts ever. Um, That was our our challenge. We went to church as well um, is what does dressing nice look like? So, but I went with field hockey. It was a team sport and I figured I can deal with the skirt and loved it.
0: Was it right away? You took to it, you like, as soon as you started, you're like, this is for me.
1: Well, yes, it's when you're in that competitive season. So in high school, then in this fall, it was field hockey and then basketball in the winter. And then soccer was spring. And that was my high school life. And of course you do club and all that kind of stuff on the side. Uh, and whenever you're in that competitive season, you just you love it. You're in it. So if you asked me what sport I liked, it depended what what season I was in. Uh, but it wasn't until junior year, which actually I tore my ACL. So I had to I lost the season there, which was really tough. And that's when I kept on getting the question. Are you going to play soccer? What's going to be next for you? And I knew I wanted to play D1. I wasn't sure why. I just knew I wanted to. And that's when the, the battle between soccer and field hockey came up. And there was something with hockey where it was just new. It had that same team atmosphere. The passing of the game, loved that. It was just something that was a little bit fast, not on grass, <laughs> a little bit faster, though, a little bit more of a challenge and just followed my heart there and ended up at ODU. I'm not quite sure how that happened either, but Beth Anders brought me on board incredibly impressive coach and, and gave me a shot.
0: So you mentioned that ACL. Did I read correctly? You actually had two different ACL injuries through your career?
1: I did. Lucky me. But different knees, which I feel like it'd be such a bummer if it was the same knee. But you get through it. I did one in high school and then one my first year of college.
0: What's it, at that young age in high school to have that first one, was it overwhelming or... Being young, did it not kind of qualify how the the road that it was going to take to to get back?
1: You know, at that time the ACL injuries were really popping up, so I was not the peak. However, it started to happen, and I remember was at summer camp at JMU, and and you're competing, and then all of a sudden you hear the snap, pop, snack, snap. Oh, what's it? No, the Rice Krispie treats. Snap, crackle, pop. Yes, that's it. I sound like a goofball. But I remember those commercials were all the time. And that's what it felt like with my knee for the summer camp. I went down and then I remember um, hopping on one foot up the stairs in the shower and all that kind of stuff. But I was in denial. It's like, no, it can't be an ACL. It can't be. And then when it happens, the first thing in at least in my mind was, well, when do I get surgery? Because I want to go back. So I wasn't even thinking about the rehab at that point. Or impact it could have, it was just, of course, this is the next step for me to play again. So let's go.
0: How was the rehab?
1: I will say I I now, especially with all of my athletes, the rehab to me is almost more important than the surgery. And I learned that, especially after my second one. So just, just being a high school athlete, not really knowing I did everything I was supposed to. However, there's such a big difference with a sports performance rehab specialist and, and rehabbing just to get your knee moving again. So the first one took a little bit longer. The second one, uh, actually came back with right within six months and I, I learned the difference was huge. So for anybody out there, rehab 100% incredibly important.
0: So you said the second one was your freshman year at ODU. Yep. When it happens a second time, do you immediately – is the feeling similar just in the other knee or was it – did it have a different feel to it?
1: Slightly. The, the sound to me was a little bit different. So, again, you just hold on hope and you're thinking after the the second one, I could walk a little bit. So I was thinking it can't be the same thing. It can't be. So you just hold – keep those fingers crossed and then when you hear the news, you kind of know that was going to happen so the second one's similar, though. It's let's go. What's the next step? Let's do it. I want to get back on the field.
0: Second rehab, easier or harder? And I ask that easier because you know what it takes or harder because you know what it takes.
1: Funny, because I one of the things in life, I think it's so important to surround yourself with good people. It makes such a big difference. And not that it's easier because you're going through the same challenges, the same process everyone else is. You just have a different kind of support. So I would say the Dr. Glasson worked with a lot of our Old Dominion teammates and actually some of our U.S. national team, both soccer and field hockey. So she took me under her wing actually a couple of times in, in my five years down there. So she was fantastic with the surgery. My, my parents were awesome. They came down and just kept me at a hotel around ODU so I could go to the rehab specialist at Dr. Glasson recommended. And it was a, it was close to campus and close enough. I could drive back and forth and they were, they were great. And I remember so many times being on those tables where they just are the icing or they're doing the stretching. And I saw they had one of those old Michael Jordan posters with his arms out the wings. And they're just, you were surrounded by great people and these little inspirational symbols. And I love quotes too. And those things just takes your mind into a place where it says, I can do this, versus wondering and feeling like you're, you're alone and it's, and it's hard.
0: So you mentioned earlier, you know, about ending up at ODU. You didn't quite know how it happened. What do you remember about the college choice? Was ODU just the most aggressive in trying to get you to come? How did it come about?
1: Old Dominion, to be honest, I'm not even sure how it – it first happened. However, junior year was tough because at that point you were back then the recruiting was a little bit different where we actually took official visits and it was your senior year. So mind you, your timeline was a little bit different. So junior year was pretty big. the The recruiting, the hockey festival that we still have now, it's just so different because back then that was a chance where you got to speak to coaches. So we would go out to these tournaments and at the end at the festival, they had all these booths. And you could go up and talk to the, the head coaches. Sometimes the assistants came. They had their booths, had all the we had the guides back then. Remember the media guides? You had all the pictures uh, and they sometimes they brought their flags and their school signs. And Beth, Beth Anders is there with a nice white, clean tablecloth, tablecloth and nothing else. And she's intense if, you, if you've if you seen her. And then even if you play for her, there's still many times I get the question of, well, how did you do it? Why did you do it? Would you do it again? Totally would, would do it again. But I remember going up to the table and just asking her some questions. And she's someone who you see, what you see is what you get. So if you want to come there and if you want to work, then she's going to give you a shot. Now, she's not going to sugarcoat it. She's not going to tell you you're the, the best thing since sliced bread. And there was, there was something neat about that. What did go for an official visit, um, saw the team play and they passed and they used the whole field. And there, that soccer concept that I loved was there. And I figured, well, I'm really good at working hard. I've, I've always done that. I really want to play hockey. It's a state school. Um, so that was doable for me. So Beth, Beth and Sue were great, gave me a shot. And I was very fortunate and it was really neat Uh, by senior year, again, somehow um, captain of the team. And that was a really proud moment for me just because of how far I came with that group and was surrounded by amazing players. And if you, I mean, Caroline Nichols, Nelson, who's actually helping us this year, which is amazing, Uh, Dana Sensenig, Angie Loy, they were all playing in the Olympics, Uh, Tiff Snow, so it was really again, surround yourself by great people, work incredibly hard and um, things things work out.
0: Now, O D U, you guys won a national title your first, the year you were red shirting, am I correct? Correct. What was that like I mean, I'm sure there's frustration that you're you're not active, but to be able to see that firsthand and be a be a part of it and you know, that early in your college career, how does that kind of set the agenda for what it takes to be great?
1: It definitely set the tone. Marina De Giacomo led our team that year and she was just somebody who she she got every element. She not only was skilled and an amazing player, she understood how to work. And I'll also never forget. So you win a championship. We were, we were at home. There was pouring rain came from behind and just to see the passion and see all of the preparation that went behind the scenes. Um, and yes, you did anything at that point you needed to, whether it was the we squeegee the field. Sometimes you pick up balls. Yes. You're competing. You're running on the side. At, you're just doing anything because you, you know, that you want the team to perform and then Marina at the end of the year, and this is a player, it's not even a coach. Uh, we had a, a banquet for, for only national championships. That's the only time we have a banquet. So we had one that year, and she thanked the red shirts. She had also at one point taken a year. Now, obviously, hers was a little bit different. for, But a red shirt year, a lot of times, is development. It can be a lot of different things. So you have a, a captain who then went on to play for the Argentine national team. And she's stopping to think red shirts in a season that was incredibly successful. So I think that just states how much of a team it was. And if I didn't have my teammates, I probably wouldn't have been able to do it. My teammates now still on those days that you need anything, you give them a call, you check in with them every now and then. Obviously, you miss them because there's not as close. But I think it's really powerful when you can see just how important a team is and how people can help you get through things.
0: What are some other memories of your college playing days that when you think back to your time that come rushing back?
1: Oh, gosh, there is a lot, again, probably surrounded by by the people. And a lot of times you remember those those challenging moments and pooling together and being able to accomplish something. My teammates were pretty some were pretty goofy. Uh, I remember Mary Beth. Freeman, who is an amazing person. She's actually local as well now Um, for just her, again, leadership. She'd have poems before competitions and that was in something that we rallied around. And again, back then we didn't all have our, our phones and our, and our music. It was just a little bit different. So, and then also every Halloween, she'd go around all of our apartments, our houses in, in costume So there was some fun things there. But then on the field, she was the most competitive person. And even from my redshirt year, a lot of times we spent time with our goalkeepers, honing our own skills, getting them prepped. Uh, We kind of did everything that we needed to do. And her uh, defensive organization and her ability to to have you compete. But then you always knew she had your back. A lot of the memories are around around her and then. Uh, There's just a lot. I don't know if I could dive into all of them. I'd probably bore you a little bit.
0: (laughs) When does, do you always figure coaching is in your future? Like during your playing days, is there always something in the back of your mind that I'd like to coach or is it a situation where you're done playing, you want to stay close to the game and you, you kind of look at it that way?
1: Definitely the second, the latter. I had no idea I wanted to coach. And actually, it's really funny because I didn't know this until later. And my mom told me. So I knew I wanted to play. And sports have, like I said, have always been part of my life. And I've realized looking back, and I think why I'm in coaching is because a lot of those people who've had transformational messages or really been powerful in my life were my coaches in, in different sports, which makes sense for me now. But in the time, that's something you're not thinking about. You're just living. And in high school then, I knew I wanted to play sport. And again, my biggest challenge for me, my battle in my mind was, oh, do I go soccer or do I go field hockey? The school, I don't even think the school matter to me because I always, and don't get me wrong, academics are incredibly important. I knew I was going to go to school, good in the classroom, um, good at Old Dominion as well, or like A, B student always. So you never had to worry about me there. Again, a worker. However, I applied I applied so late to colleges that my mom thought I was going to have to have a gap year. I had no idea, but she told me years down the road and I kind of laughed. I don't like being told what to do. And I really don't like being told no. There was always some battles, especially through high school. However, got through high school, went to college, was doing well, was looking at what majors, was thinking about sports medicine, sports psychology. That was something I was really interested in. Um, wasn't sure if I wanted to go to school that long to be a sports psych, which is pretty funny because I ended up going to school a lot longer than if I just stuck with it in the beginning. So I ended up doing, um, majoring in business. I thought it gave me a lot of different opportunity to go in different ways. And I did a lot of sports marketing classes under that. So I thought I would be involved with sports, just wasn't sure how. And then with my fifth year, uh, again, in hindsight, it's 2020. I should have started my master's. However, I just added graphic design. I actually I love the creative side of things. And the art has always been something that's been fun. So again, just added a fun uh, element. So I was set to go with marketing. I did some internships. I actually had a full-time marketing job. And then over the summer for four or five years, it always done camps. So I was doing camps and then I heard University of Richmond. So Ange Bradley, uh, and I'm sure you know that name because she's up at, at Syracuse now and is doing um, an awesome job, a national powerhouse. So Ange had an opening and back then it was a volunteer assistant. So ended up turning down my my full-time job. Again, my parents probably think I'm crazy and this is why. So turned down this marketing job and said, well, I'm going to be a volunteer. And at that time, one of uh, Angie's, one, there was a local family in the area. So they let me live with them. I was waitressing. That's how I made my money. I got a little bit of camp money. And I figured, well, I love the game. I missed it because it had been that summer. So if I want to try coaching, I got to try it now. I can always go back to marketing. And I don't need a whole lot right now. So I can live off my camp money um, and we'll, we'll figure it out. And at that time, I just fell in love with it. It's one of those things where when you're there and you're in it, I realized I knew more than I thought I did. And again, Beth Anders, Sue, the old Dominion experience taught me so much about simplifying the game. And again, sport and team had always been something that I really valued. So you put those together and then you get to now use it as a platform to teach others and I think an amazing time of your life because it's university age. It's the first time away from home. You really get to figure out what do I believe in? What do I want? What's, what's my opinion? What drives me? So that age group that we get to work with, I just think it's so incredible to watch. And just for years, they, they change so much and then they give to a team and with field hockey, we don't, we don't play because we know we're going to go professional. Maybe you can hit the Olympics you're truly playing for for passion. So it's it's something that I've loved and I haven't looked back.
0: One of the interesting things, and you mentioned Syracuse, and I was reading an article about you that was in the Syracuse paper back when you were on staff there, and it was about how you traveled abroad for recruiting and stuff like that. How did that come about, and how much do you enjoy – uh, you know, trying to get athletes from overseas to become a part of, of your program, you know, then at Syracuse later on, and obviously now at St. Joe's.
1: It's really neat to see the different cultural elements. And that's something that, well, one, field hockey for us in the, in the United States, where you start typically a little bit later. So overseas, it actually is one of the most popular sports in the world. Even for men. And again, here, that's probably something different to hear because our our sports so many times are football, basketball, baseball. But overseas, you get your soccer, a.k.a. football and field hockey and then even rugby. So um, they play when they're five, kind of like I started with soccer. And so their skill sets and their knowledge are, are really mature. And then the cultural perspective, it's really neat going overseas. That's something I would recommend. And our student athletes here, if that's something that they're looking at, I would 100% help them. It's, it's eye-opening. Eye We've also we brought in a good mix of our local players and our international players. And I also love when they go visit each other because they have an opening. Their families are welcoming, so they have somebody from the area, and they get to see something different and experience it. And I really think that is just a, a good learning tool and one that you can read all about. But once you're living it, once you're seeing it, it has much a different lasting impression. So big fan of it. Endo- enjoy traveling. I think doing something different and experiencing new people and different perspectives uh, only helps you grow and is and is fun.
0: Those early days of coaching, like you mentioned, volunteer you know, waitressing on the side. Was there ever a point where you're like, man, I don't know. This is a lot of work and not getting picked. I remember when I started in radio, one of the things I struggled with was seeing like people I went to high school with doing some job that they didn't love, but they were already making six figures and I'm making literally minimum wage. And I knew I loved it, but you do have those moments when you're like, man, is it worth it? Did you ever have any moments like that? Or were you confident the whole time you're on the right path?
1: Probably similar to you, Matt, where I would have, you have to love radio. You're still in it. And you moved a little bit. The, in the beginning, never a question. I was probably questioned more than I questioned myself as to why are you doing this? You work all the time. How much are you getting paid again? The the only time where it really came to mind is when you have a family. So I have two boys now, the, one will turn five soon in May, and the other one will be two. So once once family comes, sometimes you stop and think because now it's not just you; you're taking care of and your team. My teams have always been kind of like my my babies to me in the best in the best way. They are a, a chosen family, which I think is really neat. So you always take care of your team, and then family comes along, and now you're trying to take care of both. I've been asked if I would be interested in an in administration. The first impre- the first thought is, no, no way. I love my team. I would miss that. How could I do that? I don't know. Maybe one day. However, again, I love the, the age group. I think coaching is is very powerful.
0: When you're coaching, when you're in a volunteer, eventually assistant or whatever, do you remember the moment when you started to think, I really, everybody wants to have their own program, but there's a difference between wanting and I think really genuinely feeling like I'm ready to pursue this. I I really feel comfortable. Do you remember a moment like that where you really started to think I can do this and I cannot just do it. I can, I can build something special.
1: My, I'm really thankful for my journey. I hopped around a little bit I started at Richmond and then I went to Syracuse and when Ange Bradley then got the the head coach position, I went there. And that was a really great experience because it was taking a a program and really morphing it into a powerhouse. And at that time, Syracuse was in the Big East and then they moved to AC. So that was the beginning years of building a foundation, which was really neat for me because again, Beth Anders had already built a foundation and there was this huge tradition I mean, she'd been coaching for 30 years and um one of the leading coaches for national championships. So I got to see how powerful that could be. And now when I was coaching, I got to see, well, what does it look like to build that? Uh and then after Syracuse experienced a couple at JMU, James Madison, and then went to Delaware with Rolf. And that was really cool too, because then a couple of years later, Rolf and the Blue Hens, Delaware won the national championship. Um which is so neat with, with our sport, with field hockey, anybody can win it and it it can shift at any moment. So back to when did I know it was time to be a head coach, Walt Bradley, Angie's dad, who is now I'll say a field hockey analyst on his own. Of course, he's a great guy. He's to coach football. So he has coaching in his blood. I think he'll be coaching till the day he can't coach, which I love about him. I don't remember if I saw him or he gave me a call and St. Joe's opened up and a couple people actually reached out to me before it was even before I knew it was posted. And he was one of them. And he was just like, look, it's, it's your time. This is a great opportunity. You could build it. um, And basically you got to go do this. Why wouldn't you do this? Um, So I, I will thank him again. I'm more of a, put your head down and work. So, It's been really helpful to have some of those people come out there and say, you'd be a great person for this. Have you thought about it? So I knew I was leading a program. I love the cultural side, the team dynamics, kind of that vision. I could do that anywhere too. And I really loved working with Rolf at Delaware. So I was happy staying. And they also say it's the best time to to move on sometimes when you're really happy with where you are, uh, because then you know you're making a choice for you. So I knew I would learn kind of dove in. So it wasn't one of those things I was waiting for. It just came up at a, a neat time and talked to Don Julia, who's one of the best people. And I think he knows everybody in Philadelphia, or at least they know him. It's still the case. So that's how I ended up here in a head coach role.
0: And that was 2014, correct? Correct. So what are you inheriting when you get there? Looking at the numbers, they were a five, six win team, uh, had struggled, uh, you know, kind of take me back to the first couple of weeks when you're after you're hired and you're really kind of digging in, you know, what are you, what are you looking at? What are the first things you want to implement and really kind of put your, your mark on things?
1: Well, I'm laughing again, Max, you asked me earlier. I'm looking at opportunity. I'm like, Oh, this is, we can do this and this it's this diamond in the rough it's in Philly. It's right by our home of hockey we just, uh, it's a, it's a gorgeous campus. It's tucked away. Uh, it's a city school, but it's not a city school. Look at all these great things. And a lot of the people around me probably, well, again, my, my poor mom, it's like, what are you doing, Lynn? (laughs) What are you thinking? So you get those questions as to what are you doing? And again, the did not do it for the finances, as you know, that is not what coaching is about, but it was, it was purely about opportunity. And Hey, look, this is my time to build. And that's something that I do call Beth Anders every now and then, just connect with her because she's gone through so much. And I remember her telling me, it was going two years prior, she was like, Lynn, you start applying for head coaching positions and you need a place you can build. You'd be great at it. Build, building is key. Uh, and that's something that she's always believed in. It goes back to, back to basic skills and preparation and, and building a foundation. And that's what everything then rises of, on top of. And I remember her, you know, you get those little voices and you're like, build, I can build here. So coming in, I knew it was a Michelle Finnegan, great person, great coach as well. And I remember playing against her back in the A-10 days, feisty. And I, I think feisty is, it's strong. It means you're going after it. There's a grit element. I don't think everybody might see the same, but I saw it as a really good sign where, competitive, kind of like your your Philly sports programs all over the place. They just just go out there and you compete really hard. Um, so I knew we would get that. And I just wanted to um, to, I thought it was really important to carry a lot of the things that I had seen that I liked. And then also asked, I came in and I asked, well, what is your tradition? What do you guys believe in? And now let's take it up a notch. So let's, let's add some things. Let's Let's build a foundation. What's most important to us. Uh, and team was one of them. Team has always been something and we wanted to move the ball. And that was something that change is tough. There's actually, you ever read the book change or die?
0: No, Uh,
1: most people, they go after these, these, these heart surgeries, open heart surgeries, and they, all they have to do is change their diet or they could lose their life and something like they would rather die than change. So, sport is all about change. You're coming into a program and you're asking these collegiate student athletes who were not committed to me in the beginning, I come in and I'm asking them to change. So, of course, the beginning was hard. However, the beauty too is a couple years later, so Katja and Carrie, two of those players on one of the first teams I had, we were sitting, it was maybe 9 p.m., we don't get many visitors. Not when you have two kids at 9 p.m. during a weekday, you're thinking, "Oh, all right, bedtime, what's next? We got a knock on the door and it was two of the players, Koch and Kerry by. They were in the neighborhoods. So they wanted to say hi. So that's just what coaching is. It's so cool because you get this cycle and sometimes you're pushing them through this change on, hey, team is important. Let's be better. How do we set a standard and how do we strive to hit it? And it's going to be uncomfortable, but that's OK. And, and some get it right away. And you hope that they all do, and then some takes a little bit longer, but it's really neat to see that full circle and how it's carried them through what they're doing now, which I don't think you really asked me a lot in the question. However, I cycle to, I think it's all about the players and getting them to, to really get outside of their comfort zone, take risks, and be the best person they can be.
0: And it's time to take a break on One on One. We will have more with St. Joseph's University head field hockey coach Lynn Farquhar right after this. Hey, everybody, it's Cherry Gregg here. You may know me around town as KYW News Radio's community affairs reporter, but every week I produce and host Flashpoint, a podcast where we highlight the hot topics in Philadelphia, local newsmakers and changemakers burning things up in our region, from gerrymandering to gender equality and policing in schools. We'll walk you through the flames on Flashpoint. It's available wherever you downloaded this podcast that you're listening to now. So subscribe. Thanks so much. And we are back. Our guest this week on one on one is Lynn Farquhar. She is the head field hockey coach at St. Joseph's University. And that first season you talk about change and, and everything and you imagine five hundred. I mean, it was the most wins the program it had in a long. How satisfying is that first year? Or do you not are you not looking at it in that way? You're looking at it as year one of my building, year one of putting things in place, and the record is almost I don't want to say not important, but in the grand scheme of things, it's just a vehicle to get us where we want to go.
1: A little bit of everything. It's really funny you asked that too. I had a competitive staff. So brought in Katie Grant, who played at Duke. And I think she's still their all-time leading goal scorer. And she's still in the area too. She's doing, she just started a tucked training, a company that's really cool. And it's about youth development. So Katie Grant was on staff nemo Roydhouse, house who had played at syracuse i brought him on board he's one of the hardest workers ever he ended up getting his master's here he was our ga anna anna was a goalkeeper for the u.s so and she had just won multiple championships at richmond so as a staff at the end of the year we sat down and we were like 500 we We've never been 500 in our lives this is Terrible in a sense. However, it, it wasn't about that. I and mean, you have to start somewhere. And it was so funny because our players were excited they 500, they got wins. And just to see the differences, it was just time and perspective. So I'd say it was competitive. Greatness is about, yes, you need that foundation. And there is a building process. So we were really excited with that journey we had taken. And I think we knew we could take it even further. So that's the, the fine line in the battle between, yes, preparing and, and looking at the success that you're having, yet you're, you're always setting another goal. So you're celebrating, and then we're getting back to work. And then we're, we're learning, and we're getting back to work.
0: Is there a moment when you feel like you could almost tangibly feel the program go to another level? Like when that first giant step forward where you really felt like your vision was starting to come together.
1: I think you have moments and you never really know until it happens. Mind you, again, we're coaches. We're a little bit crazy. We're putting our, our lives into the hands of what, 17 to 21 year olds. Uh, So you never really know where you're going to get. However, there there's moments and you just think that's cool. They they're doing it and they believe in something greater. Um, and that's really energizing. Some of those moments. I remember again, Anna Willicks, who was on your, your show before Anna Willicks, Jolie Helder, who ended up being captains. They were roommates incredibly competitive with each other. And I'd learned on the side, they were talking about goals and they wanted to be top 10 in the RPI now, originally, they told this, they shared this pretty, early, I don't know how it came up. It wasn't like they were blasting it everywhere. And at first I thought to myself, holy smokes, they understand what it takes to be a top 10 in the RPI. That's a lot of work and that speed and you, and you have to finish. And I remember thinking that, but then I stepped back and I looked how exciting it was. Something we talked about in the beginning is Yes, we have to earn it and work for it. However, it's okay to talk about things. We can talk about winning because if you never talk about it, then how are you going to make it happen? And I know different coaches probably feel differently about winning. It's not the only goal. It can be an end goal though. So we need to learn, well, what does winning look like? Because that is success. And if we want to talk about winning an A10, then let's put it out there because then you make it real. And then we have to put actions towards, towards our words. And that's where we can figure out well, what are our strategies, what are potential performance barriers? And now we get to work and we evaluate. So having them hit a goal like that, that we hadn't come up with the team yet, and it was just within two, that was really cool. Uh, another really neat moment was the 2016. So I that group of Emily Nanamaker, Katja, Carrie, Mel, Amelia. Amelia was cool too, because she ended up playing lacrosse her senior year. Anyways, that class, they came in, and then when they were graduating, I remember Emily, uh, we always let the seniors say something, and her, she stood up and spoke to our, our players group and said, look, I believe we've laid a foundation, but I'm even more excited because you guys are going to do better next year, and I know you are. So you started to hear these guys talk about only goals for themselves and their team, but then they were saying, well, how important it was for that next group. So then when you're talking about a true team and understanding that it's bigger than you and, and having these ideas of what can happen and how do you find a way, they're starting to talk about it and they're passing the message on. And those little things, that's when you know that your foundation is working and, and they believe in each other. And that's, that's, that's my why.
0: Do you remember a moment when it's one thing for how, Hal- in-house people, what people are striving for. Do you start to, do you remember when you started to realize that your program was being looked at differently, where you were all starting to become a team that everyone was circling on the calendar and you started to become more of the focus of other teams rather than just another date on the schedule?
1: You know, I don't know. I don't know. We spend a lot of time on who we want to be and, and how do we get there? Scheduling is, is important. I've known that. So we've always played top teams and I tapered that into, I got handed a schedule. I came in pretty late as maybe a month if that before preseason started. So I literally met our first team the day of preseason So that first season schedule was already set. And then I started um, adding adding top teams in there because I knew that was going to be good for us. So that's something we've always faced. I think what you're referring to, Matt, is probably when we started to get wins, wins against top teams. And then we got more looks. And that's amazing. That's something I think is really incredible about Philadelphia and that we don't have this everywhere. Is the Phila Field Hockey, there's a website with really great things that are happening with field hockey, high school, collegiately. You guys got the, the sports, the news, the broadcasting, the university sports. You guys really take it and you share stories. And I think that's incredible. And that doesn't happen in every city. So Joe Greenwich, our sports ID, was starting to get a lot of people to come out and take a look as well. So that's when our team probably started to say, hey, we can do this. I think it was more of it's working than, Hey, look, other people are noticing us. Uh, And I think that's more powerful when you can see that your hard work is paying off. And then that's what gives you the new hope to go and do it again. And then for me as a coach, once you start to see your numbers go up in the RPI, that really shows you that you're, you, you are doing it and your players are, are able to compete at this level and then, again, as a coach, you're on to the next as well. How do we continue to do it? And what do we need to, need to do to get better?
0: 2017 NCAA Tournament, first time in program history. What does that mean?
1: It's powerful. I mean, the first time to do anything is great. However, we knew we wanted to get there. And I'll also never forget Monica Tice and Shelly Tice. So when I first came on board as a head coach, brought in all of the committed student athletes. And this is St. Joe's too. St. Joe's is full of amazing people. It's all about doing things the right way. you, And it's it's about taking care of people. So I came in as a head coach and there was a group that was committed. And Monica was one of them who came out to have a couple championships and captain, awesome person again. And um, so there was these committed student athletes and I brought them in. And I said, look, you are welcome to, to stay on board, of course, again, St. Joe's, th- th- it's going to look a little bit different. So here's some expectations this is what our standards are going to look like. We just talk through it because I think it's really important to be transparent. Uh, and then also, again, if you want to talk about goals and you talk about standards, we have to know them if we want to live by them. And our goals, I think it was three years we're going to make the A-10 tournament and then we're going to get to the NCAA tournament. And every year, Shelly Tice, again, she was one of our team moms, would come up and said, Lynn, you said in year three, this was going to happen. And the team did it. Um, So how do you remember your question? I just remember, I go back to kind of the stories and the little, the visuals. And I remember just them coming in and us saying, this is what we're going to do. And they chose to be here And they started to believe and did the work and did it.
0: As you have taken the program to the level it is now, you mentioned scheduling earlier. Does scheduling get harder or easier? Because I would imagine maybe when programs are down, some stronger teams are maybe a little more apt to take your phone call, thinking that they're going to get a win, uh, all of a sudden – you show it is not going to be that easy and maybe you're getting a few more voicemails or am I completely missing how it works?
1: Well, you're not wrong. However, we're in such a great location. And again, that was one of the things I was excited about. We can always get good competition. So there's, there's always teams that are willing to play because again, it's about if you want to be the best, you play the best. And if, if that means you're going to lose, but you learn from it, then they're not afraid of doing it. So we've, our schedule has shifted a little bit. However, when you're looking at the caliber, that's something that we can keep on getting.
0: What is, I don't know if difficult, what is a heavier lift? Getting a program to a level of excellence or maintaining that level of excellence?
1: I'll tell you that in another couple years. I don't. years. We're, we're figuring that one out. So where we've risen, right? We've, we've made strides and now we're actually covid's had a nice challenge a little complexity roller coaster ride our team has we graduated a really big class and then we're we're bringing in some really great we call them baby hawks so i'm excited that's part of our challenge so and the covid year we've we've got 3 games in right now So the group is awesome. I know Joe sent me this too. We're ranked right now after even three games, which is great. However, it's COVID, so it doesn't mean anything really yet because you never know what's going to happen. I mean, we see with the NCAA basketball tournament right now, any upsets always happen, which is great. However, you never know if the teams are going to be able to go or not. So long story short, we'll get back to you.
0: But to that point, you mentioned that ranking, and you only played three games. Isn't that a – ringing endorsement of what you've been able to build that even without maybe a full body or a normal quote unquote body of work, your program is thought of that highly that now they they belong there.
1: That is true. It's an honor being here and working with the group. And I know from a cultural perspective, this team is so, we've gone so far from the first year on just, again, figuring out what it is we were looking to do, and I mentioned this probably a million times, the foundation. And now in our locker room, we have legacy and the legacy is leaving your jersey in a better place. And then our foundation, our pillars are exactly the same. However, each team, I think it's important that they get to kind of figure out their own identity too. And every year they get the opportunity to do that. So when I look at the leadership and these seniors, I'm so impressed with what they've done. And from there, I would say, they understand what it takes to work yeah and then we just have to see when we're on the field can we do it in the moment and that's where that's what it really comes down to is when you're put in the position when you have that opportunity do you find a way to make it happen
0: as far as level of success you know multiple consecutive a10 titles multiple consecutive ncaa tournament appearances when you talk you mentioned goals earlier going forward what are goals what are things that, and you mentioned you talk about them, things you talk about that these are things we need, we want to do. These are things we can do. These are things we will do. What's on that list?
1: Sure. You, for this year, general, In general, everything. just
0: kind of big picture.
1: Yeah. So the the smaller goals will probably be this year, one of their first goals of the season was really identifying who this team was. And it might sound silly, however, remember, people aren't great with change in general. And we just hit a year of change. And we lost statistically half of our team through graduation and then whatever COVID year happened. So this was a great time for them to just define, well, what is my why? And then how to, how does that combine for our team? So that's a smaller one. The larger ones, we do want to get back to that NCA tournament and we, we want to get to the next round. So if you're taking steps, that's something that this team has talked about and they really do believe in. Another thing we've we really talked about is because we believe in, kind of, like I said, that legacy and that bigger footprint is our engagement with our alums. That's something we wanted to keep on building. And it might sound silly, however, remember, if if people believe that they they are important or they have responsibilities. They're going to rise to the occasion. I do believe in that, and there's there's data on that too. Even with little kids, if you're in a classroom and if you hold them to certain expectations, um, they're gonna they're gonna hit it. And if you're telling them that you don't think they're going to make it, they're not going to. So the more we can get support and our alums are there and they do behind, behind the scenes, we want that to go directly with our team. And that, that's been the Abby Hoover is at Pepsi. And now Sarah Hayes, one of our seniors is graduating and already has a job with Pepsi. So right there, they're connecting and that's powerful. And networking is so important. And that's one of the things I think in general, us as females have to get better at, and it's about supporting each other and, and building this network where nobody's ever going to fall down and you're always going to pick them up and we can start that here because they're already in a network just have to build it and another goal our team has is our sport is important and we value it and we want fans and something something that seems silly to me is assuming that the only fans that would be interested are those that played field hockey one of our biggest supporters is an alum who's never played field hockey it's a he's a male, he ice hockey. And then he has ties with field hockey. Now, however, there's so many people that have come out and watched our sport, watched our teams. I remember some of our professors watched Anna Willicks take a reverse and they were like, sold, sold. I'm a field hockey fan now. This is a really cool sport. And our team think, thinks that is important. So for us to grow the game and throughout COVID, they were out with local clubs, Clubs they were umpiring. Um, and for us, they'll, they'll make calls sometimes and they'll meet people because they know that they need to advocate for things that they're passionate about. So I do believe that, I mean, ice hockey, there's a million fans and they've never got on skates with a a puck and a stick. Basketball, that NCAA tournament draws in so many people and we all love it. You saw what it was when we didn't have sport. It was weird. We missed it. So we'd love for for our Philly to kind of rally around and us to grow our fan base.
0: Lynn Farquhar, thanks so much for taking the time. This was great.
1: Thanks, Matt. It was a pleasure again speaking with you. Wishing you the best. Stay safe and healthy. (laughs)
0: And that will do it for this week's episode. Want to thank St. Joseph's University headfield hockey coach Lynn Farquhar for being our guest this week. If you like the podcast and you want to help us out and you listen on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and a review. Now you can follow the show on Twitter at One On One Pod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Matt Leon 1060 thanks so much for listening and be sure to tune in again next week when we bring you another conversation with someone you should know more about